welcome back to yet another episode of Data for the People, the Paris 21 podcast. My name is Johannes Jötting, and I'm so delighted to have Peter Verheim from the European Commission with us this morning. Hello, Peter. Good morning, Johannes. Peter, thanks so much. You work for the Director General of Research and Innovation. You are the head of the bioeconomy and food systems at the European Commission. Peter, just to kick off in terms of uh, currently uh, the COVID situation in Brussels and, and how you work in the Commission, are you uh, generally going to the office or are you all in home office? The principal rule in Brussels is indeed that we are teleworking. So we, we do work from home, indeed. Yeah, like all of us, that's apparently uh, now the new normal uh, work and, uh, and life balance that we, that we face. You have a very interesting uh, topic to talk to us about bioeconomy. Would you mind to please describe your work area and what your main objectives are? First of all, thanks for inviting me to take part in this uh, podcast. It's really a pleasure uh, uh, to join you. I work in the European Commission in Brussels and um, there specifically in the Directorate General that is responsible for the European um, Research and Innovation Framework Program. We call it Horizon Europe. And within this Directorate General, I'm working in a directorate that has Uh, the ambitious name um, Healthy Planet. My work is therefore related on the one hand to research and innovation and on the other hand uh, to the question how can we make the transition to a healthy planet. This transition to a healthy planet is very closely linked and related to the European um, Green Deal, an initiative that was announced at the very start of the mandate of uh, Commission President von der Leyen. The Green Deal's ambition is to make really the uh, Europe uh, the first climate neutral continent by 2050. While the climate is at the forefront uh, um, of the endangered Earth system, we, we also see ecosystem collapse, biodiversity decline, nutrient overloading in soil and water, and also pollution of many kinds, all of them at a global scale and at unprecedented levels. Research and innovation are, from our point of view, really key enablers to achieve European Green Deal objectives and in making the EU's economy sustainable. My unit within DG Research and Innovation is dealing with two specific themes. On the one hand, research and innovation related uh, to the food systems, and on the other hand, with the EU's bioeconomy strategy. And hence, our discussion today on this topic, uh, the bioeconomy. This sounds really fascinating and very interesting. Would you mind just to describe a bit more bioeconomy? There are so many words and concepts out here. Why get another concept? And is it eventually just another buzzword? Good question. Maybe it is a buzzword, but uh, exceptionally, I would say a promising one. Bioeconomy, I would say, is a very good example, actually, of green growth. It includes the food system, but goes beyond it. Uh, the bioeconomy covers basically all sectors and systems that rely on renewable biological resources. It includes and interlinks land and water ecosystems and the services they provide. The bioeconomy means using renewable biological resources from land and water ecosystems like crops and biomass from forests, fish, animals, and microorganisms to produce food and feed. But it goes beyond because it can also produce bio-based products and bioenergy and services. 
So most importantly, not in a way that puts pressure on our natural systems, but in a sustainable and circular way. It's a relevant concept because we cannot stay within the planetary boundaries if we continue to consume mineral and fossil-based resources at the pace we have done during the past decades. Look already at the global resource use since or during the last uh, decades. This resource and materials use has more than tripled and resource extraction is responsible for half of the world's carbon emissions. And at the same time, in a more forward-looking way, a study from McKinsey last year argued that until 2040, we could replace 60% of today's industrial fossil-based and mineral materials with bio-based materials. Maybe let me give a few examples on how that could happen. The bioeconomy offers the chance to replace, as I said, many of these materials with renewable bio-based ones. And the most obvious one is uh, plastics. Already today, we see increasingly coffee cups from agri-waste material and which therefore are also biodegradable. Many more consumer goods, which we use every day, could be substituted by bio-based and biodegradable materials, for instance, food packaging or cosmetics or textiles, but also bio-based materials like starch, lignin, vegetable oils, and natural resins could be used to produce adhesives and sealants that traditionally are based on fossil materials. And then there is also more durable uses of biomass, such as... Uh, uh, engineered wood or wood-based insulation material, which can be used in construction. And they provide long-term storage of carbon. They take out carbon from the atmosphere and can substitute there at the same time some of the most carbon-intensive materials, concrete and steel in buildings. Consequently, from our point of view, a sustainable and circular bioeconomy can make an important contribution to the, indeed, the EU's goal of achieving Agenda 2030 and also the UN Sustainable Development Goals. As I said, from our point of view, it's a good example simply of truly green growth. I was thinking about my brother-in-law who has a huge uh, farm and who's, who started to produce biogas. Now, what I realized as being um, an agricultural economist from my training, is that how do we ensure that the production of those material that we then use for building biogas is uh, CO2 friendly? Hannes, that's a very good example. Uh, indeed, that there are certain risks simply because biomass is, is a limited resource and its uh, production is indeed associated with, with trade-offs. Production and use of biomass needs to be done in a more sustainable way uh, than to today. Um, the example you are raising, bio energy um, production on farms. We, we have new um, technologies. We are uh, moving from first generation to second generation. Indeed, waste from farms are being um, utilized and uh, processed into um, energy, but also the conversion of the biomass becomes more and more efficient. Overall, it's very important uh, um, that we need to advance the production systems in agriculture, forestry, and in aquaculture, in a way that uh, they are not only that they are not only economically viable and competitive, and hence from economic point sustainable, but they are also looking really at sustainability holistically, and they need to ensure, for instance, also that biodiversity is not harmed, but on the contrary, uh, that it is improved.
One of the key topics in our podcast is obviously data. Paris 21 is an institution that promotes the production of more and better data, in particular in poor countries. Now, would you mind to share with us what are the data needs for the bioeconomy and for which purposes? Johannes, um, you will be pleased to hear that there is indeed an increased importance and, and relevance of data uh, to make the transition to a sustainable bioeconomy happen. I would say in view of the bioeconomy, there is data needs um, at very different levels and scales. Let me be selected and just mention um, two areas. One certainly is related to um, policy making. We, we have more and more countries um, that do have um, a bioeconomy strategy in the EU. We put sustainability at the heart of um, the bioeconomy. 11 European countries, um, more than 50 regions in the European Union have a bioeconomy strategy. To steer them into the right direction, progress has to be measurable in view of all three dimensions of sustainability related to the bioeconomy, hence in view of economic aspects, um, how many jobs are created, uh, but also in view of social aspects, where are these new jobs in uh, rural areas, what kind of jobs, and, and thirdly, if you want the bioeconomy to deliver on sustainability, we also must be able to better understand and measure its effects and impacts on the ecological processes of our planet. Better data is important to develop forward-looking cross-sectoral assessments and modeling and projections also of the bioeconomy into the future. Monitoring system is therefore a key element. And uh, um, in that respect, European Commission's joint research center with whom we are working very closely has recently launched a bioeconomy monitoring system, which helps EU policymakers to assess the impact that EU bioeconomy policies have on the natural environment. Maybe a second area uh, in which um, data is more and more important is uh, data for product-specific information in the bioeconomy. I've given a couple of examples uh, where the bioeconomy can make uh, important contributions, such as uh, products that are bio-based and that are replacing plastic, uh, uh, for instance, from fossil-based materials. In order to assess really the environmental footprint, we need uh, more product-specific data. And in that domain, it is not only important to calculate the greenhouse gas uh, savings, uh, but, but also, for instance, what implications does uh, uh, the production of biomass have on biodiversity. There is also the need for product-specific data to enhance the traceability of products from the bioeconomy across the entire uh, supply chain. A very good example that is debated uh, globally is um, how we can combat illegal logging and deforestation more and better. And in that respect, the Commission also seeks to minimize the EU's contribution to deforestation and forest degradation worldwide, promote the consumption of products from what we call deforestation-free supply chains. In order to establish such supply chains for bio-based products from tropical forests that meet such standards, again, more and better data is needed. A natural follow-up question is, okay, we are all convinced about all the data needs, but what about the data supply? Do we have the data? Often we lack those specific data, and obviously 
there's a question of the timeliness of the data production, there's a level of granularity, there's the quality aspects. So do you have any views on how in your area we can potentially close the data gaps? One technology that helps us increasingly to collect data uh, comes from Earth information systems uh, using geospatial data and information, which can provide good tracking of crucial biological resources, for instance, of the forest. Secondly, I would like to argue that in, in view of monitoring progress of national bioeconomies or um, also wider bioeconomy development, we, we of course need um, to increase the granularity of national statistics. And in that area, our EU monitoring system for the EU bioeconomy is only one example where we see also increasingly cooperation between European um, um, countries and EU member states. I would argue that um, overall uh, international cooperation uh, in that area will be very important. But of course, uh, pitfalls uh, exist. Uh, data will only be a means to support producers, policymakers, and consumers about the more sustainable choices bioeconomy offers. However, in the end, what really uh, matters is uh, whether there is also the, the will to change behavior at all of these levels in favor of more sustainable uh, solutions. In terms of looking ahead for the next five years, what kind of main challenges and opportunities do you see? I mean, I was very pleased, Peter, that we hadn't talked so far about COVID. But of course, I would be also interested, how do you relate your current work to the COVID crisis? Is it sort of hampering your efforts? Is it putting aside the focus on bioeconomy and food systems? I would argue that, on the contrary, the COVID crisis has highlighted, again, the, the importance of our entire food systems, that we need to make everything that these systems are resilient. And this goes along with, basically, um, a call for diversifying food, feed, and raw material supplies, while contributing to circularity and climate neutrality at the same time, creating employment and empowering rural economies. So I would say the, the COVID crisis was a wake-up call to build forward in a better way. Thank you for joining us. This was a fascinating podcast. I have to say lots of new exciting things. I think many points you mentioned in particular at the end, knowledge sharing, international cooperation is something Paris 21 in particular is striving for. Thank you very much, Peter. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak with you. It was a pleasure and have a great day.